Hello to the Bearfax listeners. Happy 2024. I'm Nu Yangjiang, president of the Bearfax, and executive producer of our podcast. Since our program was launched in March 2023, it has reached over 100 countries and become one of the top art podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hosted by our founder and CEO Josh Beer, whom the Financial Times called the advisor's advisor. Our podcast offers in-depth conversation with top insiders from our network, giving our listeners a behind-the-scenes look into the art world. As the executive producer, I have gotten lots of helpful feedback from friends and listeners, and many of them wanted to hear more of Josh's insights. Through my work, I travel a lot with Josh to art world events, auctions, fairs, exhibitions, conferences. Watching as he covers art world news. Gives lectures and makes deals for his clients. This gives me many opportunities to ask him advice about how to understand the art world and make tough decisions. Last year, I convinced Josh to record our conversations on the art market during our travels and made them into two podcast episodes. The response was so positive that starting from this January, we have decided to make this dialogue between Josh and me into a mini series. Of the Bearfax podcast, hosted by me, and we call it "Bear with Me." So now, join me for our very first episode of "Bear with Me." Happy New Year, Josh. Well,、Welcome、it's Happy、back. New Year to us in the West. We have Happy New Year next month. It is the year of the dragon coming up. I pay attention to these things, you know. Well, what do you think, dragons characters? Is a good year? It's better than that rabbit thing. You saw too many rabbits last year. Are you one of those people who make New Year resolutions? I do make、uh, New Year's resolutions. I read that one percent of the people keep them, so it's like、um, I'm a week into it. I won't say what it is, but one resolution I do make that matters is like every year、I、make the same resolution: less emails, more phone calls. And one of the things that I'm quite proud of that、uh, that I did achieve in 2023 to read more is certainly. Reading you did during your holiday. Now, when I'm on break, I don't read about art. It's a little soon for me to figure out what my goals of what to read, what to see, where to go. I think at the beginning of the year, you're just sort of trying to get your feet on the ground and start to think about where am I going to be. I was just on a call. Where am I going to be July first? The good thing about the art world is you can plan pretty far ahead. Where to be in October? I know I'll be there in December. You know, be there. I think at the same time we want to preserve a certain amount of spontaneity and not to be overly committed and to go with the flow a little bit. Let your eyes take you where they want to go. I think in terms of art, it's the same. I don't want to see a bunch of PDFs of everything all the time. So I resolve to see more shows in person. The reason why I was asking you about rating,、um, I finished two books during the holidays, and another thing,、um, believe it or not, I went back to our newsletters, and I did reread some of the、uh, things you wrote, especially the last one before our Christmas break. I'm just reading that right now,、um, quoting Josh. Everyone has acknowledged an art market correction, but let us be the first to predict. An upcoming bull market. So, Josh, you called this in a bull market in 
I predicted an upcoming bull market, but I didn't say 2024. I just said there's one coming. That's a good point. You did say it won't be next week and it will be more in terms of volume rather than price, right? So should we start from a couple points that you made? Well, let's start that it will be coming and it may not be this year, but it will be coming. Markets go through bear periods and bull periods. And the sense is for most people that whatever period we're in, it's as if they will last forever. So when you're in a bear market, it feels like, oh my God, things will never get better. And when it's in a bull market, it's like, oh my God, it's only up, 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 spend more, 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 more. And it cycles. And right at the moment when we're in this apparent correction phase that most people are, especially in the media, are thinking that's it, it's changed forever and this is what it is. My point is, it's coming. I can feel it coming. I can't put a date on it. I know it's not tomorrow. And in fact, it's probably not this year even. Mm, that's a very important reminder because that kind of represents in a way when people, you know, and in an art world, people predict things based on one auction or one season or one art fair. Now, the six points or the six reasons that you mentioned, some of them make sense right away. And some of them, I had a big question mark. First, you mentioned about wealth transfer to younger people will cycle art as a part of a trillion. Do you want to talk a little bit more on this first point? Well, it's a general point that everybody is making in terms of the economy is the trillions of dollars that are going to be inherited by people in their 20s to 60s. And certainly a lot of great art collections were created by people who are now getting older in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. That art is going to be inherited and or sold. So that's a big, obvious thing that's happening. And I don't think anybody can debate that wealth transfer is going to happen. There's tax issues about what that means and how much of that will be liquid and how much of that will be then spent on art or by people having to sell art. Mm. And, and then you went out mentioned about lowering interest rate, which people have been talking about a lot. And also there's a lot of cash on the sidelines. And when people are talking about in general economic forecasts for 2024 or coming years, how does that impact to our art world? Well, as much as the art business is counterintuitive, certain things are sort of consistent. One of which that comes to mind is the notion of uh, buying things when things are weaker. Certainly, if I was in the real estate business and I was looking at commercial real estate, I'd be thinking pretty soon it's a good buying time that there's people there that are in trouble. On the other hand, it's probably not a, the greatest time to be buying as investment for residential properties. So it relates to art. I think we're getting to buying opportunities when you're looking for what are the equivalent of distressed properties. And as interest rates decrease over a period of time, the greater expense you have to look at a five or 10 year period as to how long you might carry something. So if interest rates are 5% now, but next year are four, year after three, it affects your financial planning. So 
I think we'll see continuing diminishing of interest rates. Everybody who watches CNBC knows that's happening. And inflation slowing down. So it's just consistent with the ability to have headwinds or tailwinds in the art market. Clearly, cheap money fueled a bull market for art. No one would argue that. So the question is, how cheap does interest have to be to make that attractive again? And you also mentioned there are going to be more and more players are coming to the market all over the world. Um, I remember our previous conversations, and especially in the last year, we talked about uh, the new collectors and newcomers and in the different uh, regions. What do you think this year might be a little bit different or something more uh, like a continuation compared to the last few years in terms of the, the new player trend? Well, a couple points come to mind. Generally, new players have come from segments or regions all at the same time. So mainland China, wow, that opened up. Or the Mideast started collect art. Or people in tech got rich. There was generally a single group at a time that happened continuously. And now I would just say there's a global expansion of millionaires, centimillionaires, and billionaires being created. And it's not localized quite as much. The stat I read the other day, I don't even know if it's close to true, is they pegged 6,000 people as collecting art over $100,000 a year. That's not very many people. When you consider how many billionaires there are in the world, or how many people making over $10 million a year, that's still a big pool of people who are eligible, and I would argue are going to, buy art. And there's still a huge amount of untapped money that could and should come to collecting art, or at least buying art, if not collecting art. After the break, Josh and I will talk about the younger generation of collectors, technology's impact on the art world, and if there will be a comeback for NFTs in 2024. Don't transact without the bare facts. Subscribe to our newsletter to receive the key developments in the art world and iPads from Josh Bear in your inbox each Thursday, plus special auction editions direct from the sales room the only report on who bought what and who tried to but didn't get it. Head to thebearfacts.com to learn more and check out our full range of content offerings. So you were talking about the new collectors in general, but let's also talk about specifically younger generations. I know you've been paying lots of attention to this group of new collectors and you and I both met many of them during our travels the last year. How do you describe their personality of their taste? What are the things they're looking for in terms of getting themselves into collecting art in the long term? It's about how they think they acquire knowledge and to the extent that if they feel like they're acquiring knowledge through social media, that's not going to suit them very well in the long run. Obviously, I like to, as an art advisor, think that my knowledge and our company's knowledge is more sophisticated and that people should really lean in to 
getting the best information they can. The truth is it's somewhere in between for many people as to how to learn and how to enter into it. Once you've filled your home or your three homes with art, are you done or you, do you have the bug? So if you're one and done and you bought that painting over the sofa and you bought it because you saw it on Instagram of some celebrity or your friends, okay. And then there's your sort of rising tide to lifts all boats. That's money in the system and supporting artists and all that is momentum and it's become more acceptable. We're just seeing how many people go deeper and then deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think all phases will start to come out more. Certainly more people who are making a million dollars a year have to have art on their wall and they don't want sailboats and they're younger. At the same time, the entry point for new people who are very wealthy is not a $1,000 print or a $3,000 photo or a $30,000 painting. It might be a $5 million painting. So the speed to the higher entry points is much greater than it's ever been. Easier to do when everything is booming, harder to do when everything is supposedly in a correction phase to pull that trigger for the first time at $5 million. Easier, people were doing that two years ago. We met people in Asia, it's like, oh, I started collecting two years ago, I'll spend $30 million on a painting. I suspect that's not happening at that speed at the moment, but it will. Another topic we had a lot last year uh, is art and technology. What did technology put impact on the art world? People talk about AI. For instance, I remember one collector asked you specifically, do you think uh, ChatGPT will eventually replace art advisories? Do you remember your answer? Oh, I probably said, sure, my career's over. Was that what I said? Sounds familiar. Sounds sound <laughs> familiar. Why are we here? <laughs> I'm not too afraid of it. For that, I think AI is mostly effective for making tasks more efficient. Like, tell me all the shows I should see in Venice during the Biennale. That might be a good thing to ask chat GPT rather than t telling one of them, our staff to spend three days looking online. There's times that technology can help. The, the issue is with art, art on the screen looks different than art in real life. The scale is different, the color is different, the surface is different. We're coming out of COVID lockdown still where we use technology to leave our house. Now we're leaving the house. So technology has to take a little bit of a backseat to the more chemical, sublime, emotional things. It's like, oh, Yang, you're going to the Rothko show next month. Yes. Please don't post it on Instagram because the experience of showing the Rothko show, here I am, look how great it looks, is so much opposed to being in the room of looking at Rothko's. So everybody posting about the Rothko show during the opening of Perry Plus was actually doing a disservice. It has nothing to do with what you can see through your iPhone. This is a, actually, I was talking to my daughter about this because uh, to prepare my six-year-old going to the Rockwell show with me, because at this age, she's also getting to taking photos with our iPhone. 
One thing I mentioned to her was the color, how uh, you know the painting looks so different when you see it in person and versus the seeing on the photo. And I think that's also something, you know, being a parent, what I've been experiencing, uh, seeing art through a child's eyes and how technology will impact their experience compared to our generation. Yes, and you see people on vacations or museums seeing things through their camera lens rather than experientially, which gets us to like back to, I know you wanted to ask me about NFTs. NFTs are intended to be experienced in that way. Paintings are not. So let's judge them on their own level. Among all six points, that one was the one I didn't get it in the beginning because Josh wrote, believe it or not, a comeback for NFT, right? And you remember how many people go like, what? You want to explain? I think we still have to redefine NFT and we have to redefine it for art and we have to separate it from, you know, bored apes or beanie babies or swatches to work by serious artists that are using that medium. Basically, I'm saying digital, which is not new. It's been going on for 50 or 60 years to reach a specific audience. So it's kind of like, a relaunch where it's less about the money and more about the experience with a little bit of knowledge of what does it mean to own an NFT? What does it mean for a museum to have it? What is an immersive experience versus an immersive work of art? Is it an experience in artwork? And as think as we redefine them, it'll funnel down to where something that I can feel comfortable like that's an NFT that satisfies my feelings in a similar way to painting or sculpture or video. And once we get to that definition, then I think more people will participate in a way that's longer lasting rather than trading it like baseball cards. If we need to redefine NFT, let's say this year or coming years, what might be something we'd be experiencing or witnessing uh, happening? Well, I think you'll see less volatility in the trading, and the trading will be less trading of works that are NFTs, where they're not selling out in the first three minutes and then being immediately flipped and transferred. There'll be a little bit of a slower process of acquisition. And I think we'll see the artists who only got into it for the money not cluttering up with noise, and the idea that this is going to lead to wealth for artists is going to diminish. I think we'll also see, you know, we group everything into one of smart contracts, of blockchain, of NFTs, of crypto, that all went into the same sort of primordial mess. And now I think we'll have to see them each in their distinct roles, where NFTs and crypto, that's two different things. At the end of my conversation with Josh, I did not forget to ask what he was most looking forward to in 2024, and also to share with you some of our highlights on the Fairfax calendar for this year. I guess Venice is always a big moment because it's, on the one hand, not very commercial, though Wink, wink. It is very commercial. 
These are getting more commercial. I heard that statement in the past couple of times. People are complaining that Venice Biennale is becoming more commercial because there are more galleries trying to place their artists in the exhibition and et cetera, et cetera. I got shouted at by a senior person at a mega gallery that when I said Venice got very commercial and they said, how dare I? And they said, but your gallery sponsored exhibitions outside the Biennale for solo shows of your artists. I mean, come on. And both things can be true at the same time. So it'll be very commercial and also not commercial. So my goal would be to see one thing that I didn't know about or I didn't think about as being really significant. So I always think in smaller chunks. When I go to an art fair, it's like, can I find one thing that I want to experience more or I want to buy? And again, we tend to talk in these sort of very broad things, the art market, the art world. I see things in much smaller segments and I see one artwork there. Like I remember 30 years ago seeing the Pipilotti Reist video of her with this actress walking down the street in Germany smashing car windows, windshields. Everybody loved it. All of us independently walked in and said, wow, look at that. And then you'd run into somebody and three hours later and you say, what'd you see? And they, we all said the same thing. I'm looking for those moments. I'm looking for the moment at Documenta, there was a film by this guy named Grimmenprez about terrorism and hijacking. We all saw that and said, wow. We saw the, you know, Damien Hurst and Venice. We went, wow. I'm looking for wow moments. The rest is noise. And so the goal is how do I find wow moments? When I was 23, I could go to every show in Soho. You can't go everywhere. You can't see everything. You go to art fairs, you can't see everything. I'm looking for extreme experiences there. And the best place that's coming up is going to be Venice. I'm distressed with the idea that Documenta might not even exist anymore, that politics will take it in. Now, given Venice... I have to admit that I didn't go to the last Venice with COVID. So I think people want to be out. They want to see things. Don't listen to the noise. I tell people good is the enemy of great. I'm not interested in good art. I don't even like art. I love great art. So those are always my platitudes. And my next big moment there in terms of art viewing is Venice. My next big market moment is, will people bring it to Hong Kong for Art Basel Hong Kong? Will they make another step to make it better? And will the art market be able to take off functionally in Asia and accelerate again? I'm curious about that in March. That's what I'm seeing in the next few months. You already start talking about our travel plan as uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about and our 2023 as for Bearfax. We had launched our podcast and very grateful that we have so many subscribers coming from different countries. And we also launched our different section in our newsletter, the Bearfax Ask and the TBF 
life. So what will be something you want to share with the audience? What were, what's on our calendar for 2024? Well, I think the most interesting one in terms of what we're talking about is the Bear Fags Alive. So if you can't be in Venice, our readers, and they're more than just our readers, they'd kind of like to know what's actually going on as it's happening. And we get the sort of the best intel from people, not six weeks later with their remembrance, but what did you see today? What's going on today from the people? How's the market? What's the best thing? And be able to do that real time, meaning the same day, the opening of Venice Biennale, day one of Hong Kong, hopefully what's going on in the auctions, the night of the auctions. I think it's not just that it's a good marketing time. It's like when the experience is sharpest, when we really have the most visceral reaction is what I saw today to feel that emotion or our guests the dealers, the curators, the artists. And I think that that's something that we want to take you there if you can't be there in a way that's consistent with the access that we can bring. Make it fun, sometimes silly, sometimes serious, and give you those big topics in a way that you can digest them live or on the way to the gym or how you're experiencing And so... Everything we're doing is to try to give more content that's consistent with our general kind of take that's who we are. We're not critics. I'm not an economist, but I do play one on my podcast. <laughs> well, let's use this opportunity also as an invitation to our listeners and also our friends in our world, because we still got some time until the Venice Biennale. So if you're interested in any topics, or you want to find a way to work with us and then, you know, where to find us. I'll make one closing point for the year. It's like we're still at wars. We have elections going on. The, the world is, you know, a scary place. Every three or four days, there's a mass school shooting in America. We're fortunate to be able to have art in addition to what we're having to face both in our own family's lives and in our global lives and our nationalist lives. We have to keep sight of that as well and figure out that we can, in fact, be doing all these things, many of us simultaneously. I feel that's where we should end this episode. Thank you, Josh. Thank I'm you, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Bear With Me, a mini-series of the Bear Facts podcast brought to you by the leading news source for the art world since 1994. If you have any art world topics you would like to hear on our show, or if you have suggestions for guests, please send us email at info at or DM us on Instagram. I'm your host and executive producer, Lu Yangjiang. Our content strategist is Bo Liangshen. Our social editor is Will Griffith. And our editing team is Mona Productions. Check back soon for our next episode of Bear With Me, as Josh and I share our inside take on the current state of the global art market. Mm-hmm.